The Grim Drive podcast explores mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. Pro athletes come forward more and more with stories about their mental health journey, what they have endured, and how they manage to push through, reflecting a mental health stigma that continues to be reduced. Pro athletes also leverage mindset to achieve peak performance, as well as representing and often driving elements of popular culture through the use of social media, technology, and personal branding. This places athletes front and center as role models for people of all ages, giving them a platform to reach many and deliver important information, including information about mental health. Welcome to the Grim Drive Podcast, where we discuss mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. My name is Jonathan Busfield. I'm joined by John Cuna, as always. Today, we're going to be discussing confidence. Uh, so we will encourage everyone to check out the last episode where we discussed uh, the youth mental health uh, situation or epidemic that's happening. Um, that's definitely an important episode that we encourage people to check out. And we might draw some parallels here when it comes to the overlap between confidence and social media use and things like that. But so confidence is something that we talk a lot about, I think it's a, it's, an, it's a word, particularly amongst young guys, that gets misconstrued. I think often um, the definition is elusive, can be elusive for young guys to really know what that means and what it looks like. I think mm-hmm. they have certain ideas, particularly amongst themselves, when they talk about what confidence is and what it looks like. And it was often, I think, misguides people and, and sends them down, not the wrong path overall, but like kind of the wrong alleys and trying to figure things out with mm-hmm. their life or how they feel about themselves. Um, one thing that made me we're going to get into some examples uh first so maybe maybe before i mean we're going to talk about the bills versus the patriots game and why that relates to confidence we're going to talk about rick barry we're going to talk about dwight howard both bas- uh, basketball players one former nba one current nba we're going to talk about steph uh curry and clay thompson current nba teammates um and how this kind of relates to confidence in general but maybe we'll start by just kind of t- trying to define what confidence is and why it's important a little mm-hmm. bit and we could talk back and forth about that and then we'll kind of get into some examples of, of players that we think, um, you know, kind of embody this for one reason or another. So how, let's start with why. Why do you think, in your opinion, John, why is confidence important for particularly amongst young males? Um, I would say that it Well, it's, you know, if I'm defining it, too, I'll start. I guess I'll start with that, like defining self-confidence. When I talk to people about it, it's one of the number one things young guys come in and they're either their parents say it or they say it. I want to be more confident. Right. That's mm-hmm. the number one thing. And that's um, something you work on in terms of like the confidence cultivation, right? Yeah, okay. exactly. So this is this will be this is sort of like one of the pillars of the program that, that I've created. Um, and re- the way that I define it is really like your belief or trust in your own abilities, mm-hmm. right? Whatever, whatever it happens to be, right? Um, because that's singular. That can't be taken away by literally anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we usually see is that it is, and it's being taken away by the wrong things. So um, that's sort of how we start the conversation. We really just like frame it. Cause I think a lot of times people mm, see confidence as something that just like comes and goes and don't understand that it's something that really does need to be cultivated mm-hmm. and consistently worked on. Mm-hmm. It's not just like something that's just like, oh, I'm feeling confident today. Yep. Uh, it's something that like day in and day out you need to be working on. Ray Allen just talked a little bit about this the other day, um, which was which was kind of cool to see. It's the stuff that you do when no one's watching. Um, yeah, so it's stuff. more it's it's less of a feeling and more of like a way of doing things and a state of mind kind of thing. Daily right? habits, okay, yeah. mentality, everything yeah. too. So, um, and I think along the same lines of like working through the definition, I think that the things that I usually see is misguidedness around where does my confidence like come from, mm-hmm. right? Like they they see it wrong, they understand it wrong. That confidence is generated by things that that are happening to them or that they're doing that are you know. So, for example, with with athletes. 
number one place that they usually generate their confidence from is their performance, right? Mm-hmm. I know I've talked agnosium about this in previous episodes too, but that's like the number one thing. I'm only as good as I am Outcomes. performing, right? Yep. If I scored 50, I feel like I can walk on air. If mm-hmm. I scored zero, I feel terrible and I could have had a better game scoring zero on other stats. I could have had 20 blocks or whatever, but if you put the wrong ideas and, and where your confidence is coming from, then that's the problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rather than, you know, what allowed you to get to 50 points, hard work. You went to the gym every single day. You, pr- you took an extra thousand shots. That's result. Like you, you, you start breaking down the performances into like, how did you, what did you do to get to that performance? Um, and so it's, it's always a big overarching conversation. It's one of the first things that we usually lead with because the misunderstandings and misguidedness around like what confidence actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing I see a lot with young guys in particular is that they they start by thinking it's a feeling, right? And and they can also identify it as, um, you know, overlap it with outcomes, right? Yeah. So, if in a game or in school or whatever, if the outcomes of grades or, you know, their stat line or whatever isn't good, then boom. That means I'm not good, which means certain feeling, right? Yeah. And so, sometimes it starts like that. Otherwise, other times, it's just they wake up on a certain day and don't feel great, right? And I think that's Unfortunately, that's a core human thing. Like we're going to have days where we wake up, we're not, we're not feeling that great. We might be sad, yeah. we might be mad, we might be a little bit anxious, that kind of thing. That alone actually has nothing to do with confidence. Mm-hmm. But I think what happens is they interpret it through that mis- sort of misguided lens of what confidence is. And they instantly try to then act as if or act in a certain way yeah. to replace how they feel. And so it's this kind of like, uh, I would call it like a domino effect, right? Where the first one is, I don't feel confident. Mm-hmm. Now, how do I fake it and act in a way that <laughs> makes me look confident? Yep. And that that often leads to behavior that just causes more problems, right? It can lead to bullying behavior. Mm-hmm. It can lead to, you know, um, trying to act as if you got everything figured out and act as if you're walking on air and everything's perfect when you know it's not. Yep. You know, that that might get you through a couple days or a couple weeks or even a couple months, but eventually it catches up to you because it kind of goes hand in hand with just burying the reality of the situation. So, yep. confidence to me is about... Um, it, it's what you said about understanding and 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 sort of seeing and trusting your abilities. I think it's also about just recognizing that you know you don't have to be perfect, right? And that yeah. it's like to me, it's it's a security in your self awareness, right? It's do I know what I'm good at and do I try to play to those strengths? Do I know what I'm not good at and I do I still accept myself even in spite of those things, right. knowing that nobody's perfect and I don't have to be either, right? Right. Now we can get into like you know when it comes to like weaknesses, there are certain weaknesses that you can work on and maybe mm-hmm. wor- might be worth working on. Other weaknesses sometimes are just worth just accepting that you're, you might not be in the cards for you and that that's okay. Yep. I think that's where a lot of a lot of guys get hung up with the confidence uh, conversation with accepting that they're not perfect. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I see a lot is that they they convince themselves that in order to be confident, it means you have to do everything by yourself. And it's actually so the opposite. You know, it's like, I think a, a truly secure or con- I like to use the word secure a little bit better. But secure or confident person recognizes that, uh, you know, in reality, the the best path to doing things is to look for who has done it better than I can yeah. first. And how can I learn from them? Who's around to support me? Right. Because I'm never going to be able to do this at the highest level by myself. So how can I get other helpful, smart people uh, who are willing to collaborate with me and that I can help back? Yep. Right. So they all those things that kind of go into it. And I think to me... Um, that's how I would define it. What else kind of goes into it for you in terms of from the cult, uh, cultivation perspective? Um, I think it's, it comes a lot with like how, like what our internal narratives are yeah. and how we communicate to ourselves. I think it's a conversation that like a so lot self-coaching, of people, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Self, positive self-talk, the acknowledgement that we're, we've talked about this before, but like the acknowledgement that if 
we're not consciously aware of like our thoughts. They're they're heavily primed towards negativity. Mm-hmm. And if we're not taking time to address those thing on things on purpose, it can be really damaging. Um, and we've we've seen we we've worked with them. We've worked with the clients that it is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, we talk a lot about that. And one of my questions that I that I always ask that usually sparks interesting conversations is sort of I say remove your sport altogether. Why are you great? And I, I think we've talked about this maybe before, but it's like blank stares usually. And then it's like, well, I don't want to brag or I don't want to boast. And I was like, who, who's around here that you're bragging to? It's yeah, just you, yeah. right? Like, I know you're, you're talking to me, but it's just you. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't be aware of things that you are good at, mm-hmm. we've got some work to do. Yep. Um, because then if, if what's going to happen and then I ask like, okay, what are the things you feel like you're not so strong on? And it's like this endless novel scroll of things that they're terrible mm-hmm. at. That's an imbalance. And if that's the, that's the narrative that's in their head. Um, not a quote of mine, Bruce Lee's of like what you habitually think you inevitably become. Mm -hmm. And if you're constantly thinking of negative things, that's all you're going to see in your environment. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not going to make you feel very confident or that's not going to like lend itself to you putting in the work that is going to contribute to you being confident. Um, if you're talking to yourself about like, okay, yes, I'm having a shit day and, but that's okay. I'm still going to stick to my habits. I'm going to do my affirmations. I'm going to do my cold shower. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my exercise. I'm going to do my goal setting. I'm going to do all the stuff that I know that I need for myself. Mm -hmm. That's confidence, right? That's consistency. That's consistency. That's like, despite the world throwing crap my way, I'm still going to put my foot down and get to work and do what I need to do. Um, and that lend, and that sort of dovetails into a good conversation around like discipline. And then when we, that's when we sort of talk about like the importance of discipline and why it's so important. And then also coming up with like positive things that we could be saying to ourselves, whether it's mantra work or it's just acknowledgement of positive qualities that we can expand upon. So to your point, we're not good at everything, Mm -hmm. right? We can't be, we have things that we're good at. We have things we're not. And, you know, a lot of times it's like, we'll focus on the things we're not good at to help support that. Yes, sure. But also don't forget the things we're really good at yeah. um, and spend time talking about those things and focusing on those things. Um, and that's where when you are actively and proactively spending time doing those things and supporting those things and spending time cultivating things you're good at, that's going to lend itself to feeling confident that you are capable to do these things. And that is where that internal trust comes from, in my opinion, um, to be able to do whatever. And that's where that, that's that stuff that can't be taken away from you if you have a bad game. Yeah. Those 30 days of time or however long that those years and years of daily consistency can't be taken away because you had a bad game. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's the, that's the bucket that you go into when you're, when you're looking for, when you're looking for some self-confidence and you're looking for that stuff. It's like you go back to what you yourself have done, um, to help foster better mentality for yourself. Yeah, no, you you give a great example about how things, you know, we talk a lot about black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking and how people can often swing way too far in the other direction, right? We talked about how sometimes guys think confidence is how they act, right? So they probably act overly cocky or that kind of thing. Other guys see that and they don't want to be viewed as that and they do what you just described where they, well, I, I don't want to brag. I don't want... And there is a middle ground where it's like you just because you acknowledge your strengths either to yourself <laughs> or to the people close to you that you trust. Right. It's not mean you're bragging. No. Now, how you do it and why you do it, uh, how you say it, why you say it, that kind of thing matters. But there is a middle ground where you're being honest with yourself, which mm-hmm. is so key, and honest with people around you about, no, I think I'm pretty good at this. Like, how do I put myself in that position? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're acting – like, like I, an example I would sort of look at is like if you go to a coach of yours and you say, you know, I think I'm pretty good at this. Can we, how can we put me in a position to be good at that and, and really do that? Because that's actually what I'm good at. 
And the coach might be like, glad you brought it up. Be like, yeah, let's actually try to factor that in. He also, he or she also might provide some feedback and say, yeah, you're pretty good at that. But this is also an area I think if you worked on this, you'd be even better at that. Mm-hmm. And so you see how not only is is discussing what you're good at and what you're confident in important to putting yourself in a position to be successful. It's also important because it's a, it opens up the opportunity to have a dialogue to discuss what you could actually still even improve on. That's a great point. You're like practicing it to get to get external feedback from yep. other other places other than yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's that, vital. That external feedback is, I think, what to me. It's a fine line, but I think when we talk about why is confidence important, in my opinion, confidence is important because we have to be driven by, we talk a lot about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, right? Mm -hmm. We have to be able to be driven by things within us, um, challenges we put for ourselves. We can't be driven by external factors. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be factoring in external feedback. That's very important and that's actually going to help us. But it can't, we can't be doing it because we're looking for perfect feedback from people in our environment. Mm-hmm. Anytime we're doing that as a way to drive confidence, we're in risky territory. And this is where it kind of, I think it relates to social media. Because I think if you're confident and secure as a person, regardless of age, you can go into certain trap environments like social media yep. and not be negatively impacted by them. Whereas if you are not confident and secure, you are more prone to go into those environments exactly. looking for something to drive your confidence from from someone else in there. And that is a nightmare. That is usually not going to go very well. Yeah, I agree. And th- you bring up a, an interesting thing. And we were talking about social media a little bit last time. And one of the things I wanted to get into was like some possible solutions. And that's something that comes up when I'm talking about confidence is like we do like we like basically dissect social media with, with people who mm-hmm. have a struggle with it. And for people who aren't feeling confident, to your point, the things that come up on your For You page or the things that you see more more likely are probably reflections of your own insecurities. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, bringing a little bit of like conscious scrolling to yourself of like, I'll have people, you know, I want you to, you know, pull the phone out and do like 10 to 15 swipes and literally like write down like what theme comes up. Be fascinated Mm -hmm. to see the conversations that come out of that being like, I had no idea, like, you know, five of them were like shredded dudes or things like that at the gym. It's like, well, you know, is is your body image something that we need to talk about yeah. because that's something clearly either your sub- your subconscious mind is drawn to mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And it can also help um, when you start talking about stuff like that of like mitigating or removing altogether just toxic toxic people from mm-hmm. your pieces because that stuff is going to directly impact your confidence because it's going to speak to the insecurities and it's going to be this cyclical pattern and then finding p- people that, that can actually inspire or have more that the you know you talked about it's not something you do alone find people that inspire you find people that are going to like support no you know might not know them personally but their message their whatever it is find people that are going to support that that mm-hmm. new mentality for you so that you're you know, I don't think going cold turkey maybe works for someone for social media, but social media is here to stay mm-hmm. in whatever capacity it changes. And rather than just being like, get rid of it altogether, work with it, yep. use it as a tool and figure out how to do that. Absolutely. No, it's a great point. So we've talked about why it's important. We've talked about what it is. Um, let's get into some of the examples we talked about earlier. Yeah. So one, the first one is the Bills Patriots game. Before I even get into that, I just want to give a shout out to Demarius Thomas, former Patriots wide receiver. <sighs> Um, Broncos wide receiver passed away unexpectedly, I think due to a seizure, it sounds yeah. like. Um, so, you know, obviously we want to give a shout out to him. He was, um, you know, obviously a great wide receiver, but from every, anyone who knew him, uh, it sounds like he was just a fantastic person and someone who especially cared about kids. I think he went through, if you ever, you ever read about his story, mm-hmm. went through a really hard childhood. Um, his mom ended up in prison 
And, you know, I think dealing with that was a huge struggle for him. And he's spoken a lot about how kids, you know, kids just need love, uh, they need positive love and support. Um, And he was someone who always tried to, you know, make any kid he saw just like try to brighten up their day, Mm -hmm. which I mean, you got to tip your cap to anyone who who dedicates themselves in that way. And he clearly made an impact on every person that came into his life. So I just want to want to touch on him a little bit. Yeah. So the Bills Patriots game. By the time this this podcast is up, I mean, it might be around the time they're going to play again by the end of the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who knows? But there was a recent game. It was on, was it on Saturday night or was it on Monday night football? Monday night football. It was Monday night football. Yep. Um, And they played in, you know, it was very interesting conditions. It was in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Buffalo tends to have a lot of weather, right? We live in New England. So, Mm -hmm. Buffalo, is New York technically technically New England? Yeah. Is it? Maybe not. Maybe I don't not. think it is, but we consider it. I consider sure. it the same way. It's same weather, same sort of like northeast kind of thing, right? Yep. Um, you get a lot of wind. I mean, it's close to Canada up there, so you get a lot of wind. There was like some snow, some rain. Mm-hmm. I think gusts of like 55 miles an hour. Yeah, it was windy. Right. So it was an interesting game. And the way the way it played out was very fascinating to me because I think um, I think it was an example of like a team, a coach and a team willing to do whatever it took to win regardless of how weird or unfair it looked because <laughs> that relates to confidence in my opinion i think mm-hmm. it's like if you know you say what you want about belichick he's he's kind of a you know what in the media he's very minimal very short kind mm-hmm. of rude sometimes but he just like he said it over and over again he just he, he wants to win he doesn't really care what it looks like or, or who right. gets who gets the yards or whatever it doesn't matter like right. he's going to do what it takes to win and I think you have to be a confident, secure person to do that type of thing in any facet of life. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, your focus is going to be, how do I look the best, not how do I win? And I think you see this with certain players too. Certain players, yeah. particularly like, you know, some diva wide receivers and like, uh, you know, other people in certain sports you see in basketball sometimes. You, they might say they're all about winning, but you can tell by the way they behave, their demeanor. And if they're the one who is instrumental in the win, whether they really only care about winning. Right. Right. And so I think this was a good a good example of like how to win and how to not really care as a team or any one individual because it doesn't seem like anyone on that Patriots team really cared how they won either. Mm-hmm. They were just in it for each other. Yeah. So that's cool when you see a team come together. It was also an example of how not to lose or how to learn from losing and how not to handle it handle a loss because the the Bills team just melted down. I mean, if you ever mm-hmm. if young people listening to this ever want to see how not to handle a loss with with some kind of class and composure look at some of the videos. I mean, it's it's pointing the finger. It's not giving credit to your opponent. It's getting defensive. It's all these things that I think go hand in hand with not being secure, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about what you think about it. Yeah, that. I mean, and it wasn't just the players, too. I mean, Coach especially. Yep. And I think that's kind of, he sets the tone, right? He yep. gives permission for, you know, for how to act. And I think that there's value to being honest with how things are going, but... It, it was, in, in my opinion, it was poor taste. And if I was a Bills fan, I probably would be pretty upset about how my coach and players reacted. Because mm-hmm. I know that if Bill and any, no, they never would. No. Uh, but if Bill or any players lost and then were complaining about it, or you know, it was this or you know, whatever it was, all the complaints that went into the stuff, I'd be like, ooh, that's yeah, it's not a good on. look. That's not a good yeah. look. Yeah. No, no, and it's not a. Uh, in my opinion, a confident, secure team that's going to do anything moving forward. Because if that's the place you're coming from, then you're not going to be able to handle the adversity required to kind of get through the next step. No, and I think they were, to your earlier point, I think they were kind of stuck in like, you know, and this is going off a little bit on a football tangent, but the Bills like started off really good. Like then they had like a little bit of this air around them of like, we're there, the team now, mm-hmm. and the Patriots aren't, the you know, and they were AFC in first place for a while and playing well. And, you know, then this happens and it sort of, 
because maybe they weren't as confident as they thought they were. The image of the Bills being this team started to fade. I think it probably started with the loss to Jacksonville. So when you start, you know, you had brought up the earlier point of like when you don't feel confident, you try to pretend like you are. Mm-hmm. I think there maybe was a little bit of that yep, going on yep, for the Bills. Yeah. And um, because of that, they're, you know, you're sort of seeing what the outcomes of that. Yeah, yeah, and there was there was a moment where I'm going to talk about sort of a negative side and a positive side to this one player, but there was a there was a moment where in the post game, I think it was there was a second uh, you know uh, player from the Bills secondary who was on this interview, but he was with Jordan Poyer, and the two of them were asked. The question was was a bit. It was tough. It was tough. It was a tough I, question. You know, it, yeah. we, we've talked in the past about um, I think as it relates to Naomi Osaka, we've talked about like. Is it really fair to put these players post a difficult loss, like with a microphone in their face? I mean, that, yeah. that's hard, right? You're, right? you're sort of like asking them to do something that's emotionally and psychologically, you right. know, maybe asking too yeah. much. Yeah, I can understand you being, moment. yeah, you're, you're, you're pissed off. You've lost a game you really yeah. wanted to win, and now you got to talk to people that are asking you questions like the one they did. I, could, I get it. Exactly. Yep. So this guy asked them, you know, when a team goes against you and they only run three times and beat you, were you embarrassed by that? Um, when they throw three times. They throw when they throw, yeah, sorry, yeah, when yeah. They throw three times. Yeah. They run 46 out of 49 times. Are yeah. you embarrassed by that? And they did not handle that question well. I think, uh, again, don't really blame them for that one, but the correct answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> again. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing. Of course it's embarrassing. Yes. That is a healthy response. This is where, like, I think a lot yes. of guys in particular think confidence is never being embarrassed and never being sad and never being anxious. Right. No. It's just admitting that you are first and then finding the best way to problem solve that as quickly as possible, hopefully with the help of others if you need it, at least being willing to do that. It's not saying it's not getting defensive and being like me. I would never get embarrassed. Like I think that's what a lot of like fake confident people do is they yeah. try to pretend like they would never be embarrassed. And it's like no, you should be embarrassed. I mean, right. That's embarrassing. You right. tried your best. They beat your you know what by running only, uh, by passing only three times. Yeah, that is embarrassing. Admit that, and then you can learn from it. I mean, right. that's what a confident per- person does, in my opinion. Right. Because right? when you don't accept, you focus on the wrong things. You were focused on the question being ridiculous, and it wasn't an unfair question. It was. Clearly could have meant worded to, better. Yes, yeah. clearly yeah. meant to generate some emotion. I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving him the, a total pass, but yeah. it was a fair question. It is embarrassing. It is, yeah. and it, and if and if embarrassment is that challenging to you, you're not confident. That's exactly right. Exactly. You, and, it, and if really, if any emotion is mm-hmm. that like unsettling or can sweep you off your game or totally distract you and, and get your defenses that much, that like. I don't see – I didn't see two confident people up there. No. I definitely didn't. Nope. I saw two angry people. They lost a game. I, I definitely can give some cadence to that. Yep. Uh, but I saw people who were trying to, like, protect this image of confidence when it's when it's clear that they could have just been like, yeah, that was really embarrassing, and we've got to work on how we defend against the run, and we've got to do a better job here, and – Focus on the things like that would have been that you could have gone way different, but because it didn't, mm-hmm. people are talking about it and exactly. still talking about it. Exactly, yep. exactly. Um, so, it's, so I want to ca- call some positive attention to Jordan Poyer because while that moment was not great, no, he is someone who recently came out, admitted that he's an alcoholic, and admitted to his team, and and that he's getting help for that. I think yep. that takes a lot of guts. Yep. Um, specifically, I heard him talk about how he went out with some of the some of the teammates, uh, probably I think five or six of them. And they were all grabbing beers or drinks or whatever. And um, I think they were used to seeing him drink. And he sat down and, you know, they offered to get him one. He said no. And they asked why. And he explained it. And they couldn't have been more supportive, which I think, I I don't want to say, it depends on the team. I don't want to say that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It Mm -hmm. it depends on the team. I'm sure there were teams that guys were supportive. But 
I think it does show how far we've come in a lot of ways. And uh, not just the team being supportive, but first and foremost, him being able to to really get the help he needs and yeah. uh, make those changes. It's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's awesome. So I think we will want to call it some attention. Yeah, to that I did too. know that. That's, that's yeah, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Read about that recently. So mm-hmm. we'll put a link to that um, article as well in the show notes. So some other examples of confidence. I've always been fascinated by like the Rick Barry thing where Rick Barry was a former NBA player. Really good player, right? I think I don't know if he won MVP, but he was at that caliber for a while. Uh, he's famous now, <laughs> for you know. I think as times pass and people forget who was actually really good in the NBA, um, sometimes they get known for little things here and there, quirks, attitude, whatever. Yeah, his was like shooting free throws underhanded. Then he shot at like a ninety something percent clip, <laughs> and he swears by it and has and has done this. He has taught right. people how to do this. Yep. And he says it's very easy and anyone could do it. He's talked to NBA players, past and present, mm-hmm. urging them, like, just do it. Because, like, Shaq, for instance, if you're shooting 50%, you could do this and shoot 90. Mm-hmm. And they won't do it. And to me, that's, like, <laughs> fascinating. If I was in the NBA and I had a chance, like, especially if you, like, you could stick in the league by by making some changes, mm-hmm. I would shoot underhand all day if it, yeah. got, if it got me to stay in the league. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But a lot of people won't do it. And to me... That's an example of not being... Now, no one's perfect with confidence, but that's an example of kind of a, a hole in the side of the ship, so to speak, of mm-hmm. confidence. Because if it if that's going to get you the win and the success that you're looking for in terms of performing at the highest level and, and reaching your goals, why wouldn't you do it? Right. And yet no one will. Right. Except, the- I think, a, a tall college player, he got to do it, who actually shot like 80-something percent. Really good. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because... It- I agree. If, if someone was saying like, okay, you're shooting 50, I can give you a technique to shoot 90. Why wouldn't you take that opportunity? The one thing that Rick didn't have that players have now is exposure. So I'm curious about that. I haven't thought too much about it. You brought up, you just, I just thought of that right now about like the ridicule that, you know, Rick probably got it at, at like at the game. I'm sure there was probably some locker room stuff going on too of like them teasing Rick about mm-hmm, his shooting mm-hmm. or whatever, but like can't do too much shooting when he's probably shooting better percentage than the yeah, person yeah, teasing yeah, him. Yeah. Um, but the amount, the sheer amount of ridicule that would come from social media or from all these other platforms, I'm curious if that's, if that I'm contributes, sure, I'm but sure. it doesn't, it still doesn't. So like the the volume is probably higher, but it doesn't change the fact that if you have a strong sense of confidence in self, it still wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. It might me it might require more work, more diligence around cultivating that and working on mm-hmm. that, but it still shouldn't matter because it should be able to be like uh, I shot ninety percent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, don't know the, I don't know what the deal is. I I scored you know eight points from the from the free throw line that helped us win the game. Why are we talking about me shooting underhand? Not why aren't we just talking about you know anything else? Yep. Yeah, it's a yeah, good point. Absolutely. So that's that's always an example that's fascinated me. Um, Dwight Howard is another example, kind of on the opposite end. I think Dwight Howard is someone who strikes me as an athlete who, from the outside looking in, has every reason to be entirely confident, and is the opposite. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's someone who kind of embodies the like using act, act and demeanor to portray what he thinks it looks like confidence, mm-hmm. but inside is like the opposite. And there's been some stuff, some reports from like Jackie McMullen about um, how in practice, you know, he shoots lights out jumpers and like refuses to do it in the game because he's petrified about missing and what that will look like. Mm-hmm. And I think it, so to me, I don't want to like pick on Dwight Howard here. I mean, I think to me, um, Personally, I think he should have been on the top NBA top seventy-five. I think it's like a travesty he was left off. I think that's all political Superman. because of his attitude. Come on. Oh, dude, he was dominant for a long time. But yeah. anyway, it's neither here nor there. You know, I, I don't want to pick on him. I think he's a great player. Um, I think he's grown as he's been in the league. He mm-hmm. seems like he's a better teammate now. 
He keeps the some of the controversial stuff much more limited than it used to be. So you got to you got to give credit to the growth there. I think he's definitely come a long way. Um, but I do think it's an example of um, for young people listening and for watching these sports that even someone who has seemingly has it all and every reason to feel confident, that doesn't mean you're going to feel confident. Right. You have to do the other stuff. You have to cultivate confidence. You have to talk to yourself like your own best coach. You have to have a routine and a habit of pushing yourself to face fears and yep. different things. There's a whole different thing that goes into that. It's not just like, you know, what is your ability you were you were born with, and and, and are you good looking and have money? It's like it's, it's much more than that. Yeah, you know what I mean, right. Um, so I thought that's just an example, not to pick on him because I do think he's come a long way, but of how you know not everyone has it together, even when you think they should. Right. The other examples I wanted to give are Steph Steph Curry and Clay Thompson because they're they're two team successful people, confident people, teammates on the same team who come at confidence from two very different angles, and I think that. It both are an example of how sort of authenticity factors into confidence as well, mm-hmm. right? Confidence doesn't look the same depending on who it is. I think if you're confident, a big piece of that is just being yourself, mm-hmm. right? And I think Clay is very quiet, kind of slow, like under the radar, stealth kind of mode dude. Mm-hmm. And Steph, as he's grown more confident, is I think used to be more quiet in college and then first couple of years in the NBA. And as he's really... I th- I think some people would think he's gotten cocky. I I I don't know the guy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I actually guess that as he's become more confident and secure in his own life, and he's got a great uh, family, that he's just kind of like let out who he really is, and he doesn't care. It, you know, it, it, he is like, and I'm I'm so happy you bring him up because he's the perfect example. And I bring him up because when I was talking about when I asked that question, like, why are you great, or what makes you great, and it's like, oh, I don't want to brag, and then we get into like the difference between like, well, being confident and understanding who you are as a person is different than being like. I am these things and I am better than you or, you know, putting other people down, like trying to use your strengths to put yourself on this hierarchy. That's bragging and braggadocious and cocky. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I would be, it would be interesting if you did a poll asking people if you felt that Steph Curry was cocky and I bet the majority of people would say no, right? Because to, so. yeah, to your yeah. point, to your point, it's just like, he's fun to watch. He's entertaining. He's yep. more vivacious in his celebrations, mm-hmm. but it's not, he never talks down on anybody he never is like i'm the Super greatest nice of all time yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like yeah. no nope. and he does a ton of work in the community yes, too so yes. and a super um, great teammate from all really great from everything teammate. You hear. Yeah. yeah so he's like the perfect example yes. of someone that can like have that type of mentality or that type of presentation and it's confidence not cocky absolutely i think it's part of his like flow state or zone where when he's yeah. like really just being himself and in the in the flow of the game He's shimmying and he's doing different things that like, yeah, he's not doing that to show up anyone. He's doing it because he's like completely locked in and he is like tuned out the fact that people are watching, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think that's awesome because they've reached that level of just being self-secure and being in a flow state that allows them to perform at the highest level. Kevin Garnett is kind of a different example of the same thing where like, I think a lot of people took his like smack talk as, you know, almost like fake, you're fake, that kind of, you're fake tough, that kind of thing. I don't think he was ever doing it to be tough. He was doing it to self-motivate. Like that was part of his way mm-hmm. of just being in his own head and almost like being a dog and like challenging himself, right? Talk about self-coaching. For him, I think he had this the the self-security to be like, I'm going to like almost be that you know what coach in my own head mm-hmm. that's just gonna be driving me to like get to that next level. Yeah. And it manifested itself in sort of some chest pounding and some swearing on the court and things like that. Yeah. But he's talked about, I think, players that started to recognize him in the league after playing with him for years stopped taking it personally because they realized, like, this dude's just trying to jack himself up. Like, yeah, it has nothing to do with this. me. No, <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Even if he swears at me, he's really talking to himself in his own head. Yeah. And so it's a different uh, but similar example of, of what Steph Curry does as well. Yeah. Um, so those are some examples. 
what I wanted to give a couple just to end to wrap it up for today. I wanted to give an example of Grim Drive and an example of what not to do when it comes to Grim Drive. So we've talked about why, you know, why is this podcast called Grim Drive, right? Um, you know, we told the story a long time ago about how someone sort of poked fun at how, you know, people in, in uh, New England are, or Massachusetts are grimly driven, right? And they're mm-hmm. like just workaholics, work to the bone, that kind of thing. And so we're, we're very hard workers, but we've also always, I think, done a really good job to know what that line is so that we have balance when it comes to rest and family time and, and friends and things mm-hmm. that matter to us, not just working, you know, 100 hours a week and like just right. having nothing else going on. We know that balance and we sort of use the title of this podcast to poke fun at that. Like, it's great to be dedicated. It's great to be dedicated to trying to do something that's more important than yourself right. and building something that has real value to help others. But it's also important to have balance and recognize that if you're just grimly driven and that's it, there's there's nothing amazing about that. It's actually sort of, I think it relates to not being confident, in my opinion. I mm-hmm. think that's an example of people who go try to jump into that kind of addict, addictive workaholic behavior as a way to ignore the fact that they, they aren't really fulfilled in their life. That, that's the tendency, I think, for people. Yep. So we use this name to kind of poke fun at that. And so while also encouraging people to to work hard and have a plan for how to do that and be confident and how to cultivate that, right? Yep. So an example of Grim Drive, I'd like in a good way, I'd like to give today is Hansel Emanuel, who is a high school, he's a Dominican high school basketball player who goes to Life Christian Academy in Florida. And due to an accident when he was younger, he only has one arm. And this guy, he's 6'5". And if you watch highlights of him, like he is like just doing poster dunks on people. He is crossing over people, one, one arm, and he can shoot as well. And it's unbelievable to me because the amount of, not just the amount of work it took, but also just the amount of like self-security, confidence, and willpower it took to know from a young age that he has one arm and that it's not going to stop him from doing what he wants to accomplish is unbelievable to, unbelievable yeah. to me. Yeah, um, at that age too. Yeah, and I showed you some highlights. Oh, I mean, it's just he's like, unreal. It's unbelievable. Unreal. He's got some, I think he ha- he got his first D1 college offer to Tennessee State, which is a uh, historically black college and university. I don't know that he's going to go there. He's probably waiting for other offers. But the fact that you're getting D1 offers, um, and if you watch him play, I mean, it, he is very smooth and it's unbelievable. Does, it's not a hindrance for his play. No, so we'll no. Put, a, put a link in to show maybe some highlights, a YouTube video of his highlights for people to see. Yeah. Um, so we want to call positive attention to that because I think that amount of work ethic and self-security is like the right type of Grim Drive, right? The right balance. Then let's get into the not the not good uh, example of Grim Drive. And it's it's uh, Rick Ross. I don't know if you follow Rick Ross at I all. I don't. Okay. So no. uh, he's a rapper. Um, I know who he is, but I Yeah, don't. yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't really follow him that much either, but he's mm-hmm. a rapper. And he's someone who... Recently was on social media saying that he doesn't sleep because he's a go-getter. Mm-hmm. And if I could just like <laughs> God, vent my uh, my anger towards like celebrities, you know, athletes, celebrities, whoever who says that. And you get them across the board, you know, whether it's in the financial industry or mm-hmm. in sports or in hip hop, rap and hip hop. So it's not just Rick Ross, like, uh, but he's the one I saw recently. So I was like, all right, we got to, you know, call some attention to this because – Younger people, especially, we t- we talked about. Um, was in this episode or the last last episode about? It was the last episode about mm-hmm. you know people using sleep, not sleeping as a badge of honor, yep. and then using mental health issues as a badge of honor, and how it's sort of in the same camp. Right. This happens all the time with sleep, where young people are, are impressionable, and they hear someone like Rick Ross or someone else say like, "Hey, if you want it, sleep ain't part of the solution. Like you have to, you if you care, then you're not sleeping, and that's complete bullshit. I'm sorry, but like, excuse my language." I went to architecture school. I know what it's like to pull all-nighters. Like, there's nothing good that can come out of that. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it just harms you short and long-term in all mm-hmm. kinds of unimaginable ways. It's like years off the end of your life from that stuff. 
sleep is the number one thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to be confident, secure, if you're trying to be successful, it starts with sleep. Everything starts with sleep. It, everything starts everything. with sleep. Mental health, physical health, yeah. uh, achievement, focus. It starts with sleep. You have plenty of time in any, any given day to get stuff done if you're focused. You do not need to be working more than 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You don't even need to be working more than like 12 or 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And you need to be sleeping at least eight, probably nine if you're really trying to focus on that. So I just can't stand. I think it's still ingrained in different aspects, um, different institutions in our in our culture, right? In the law culture, it's definitely ingrained. In the architecture culture, it's without a doubt still ingrained. In the medical profession, don't even get me started on that. Like mm-hmm. doc, medical doctors are still like if you're going to med school and you're sleeping, you're not trying kind of attitude. And it's just re- like that could kill people yeah. like if you're underslept as a doctor. Right. So we have to get rid of this. And I'm just like, I want to make sure anyone listening really starts to take this seriously. Like if you hear someone, anyone, I don't care if they're a doctor, Rick Ross, basketball player, whatever, say that if you're sleeping, you're not trying, please ignore that. Like anyone who says that to me is completely full of you know what. Mm-hmm. They're probably saying it to try to look tough, which we talked about fake confidence. Mm-hmm. That's to that's to look like you are working harder than anyone else, but doesn't mean you actually are. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe he is, but doesn't mean you actually are. I would bet he probably still he actually does sleep, and that's complete crap. Well, you can't not sleep, right? So anyone say sleep. it's not possible. No, it, there is like you points, deteriorate and die if you go without sleep. Exactly, so it's not happening. Exactly, it's not sleeping. If you're sleep deprived, the effects uh, even after like a day are pretty bad. Yeah, um, it's I think after 24 hours of not sleeping, it's the equivalent of being legally drunk. Yeah. in terms of your cognition and your your function. Yeah. So if you hear someone say that they're they don't sleep and that means that's how hard they work, they're probably lying. If they're not lying. They're most likely using some kind of substance to stay awake, okay? Mm-hmm. Some kind of drug or substance to stay awake because you can't do that naturally. Mm-hmm. I think it's 0.004% of the population, so that's four out of every thousand, can sleep four hours a night in yeah, function. There, there, are pop- there is a, a very, 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 very small population. Very, very small. Yeah. Most people yeah. think that number is much higher. It's like yeah. 8% of the population. It's right. not. It's 0.004. And then right? they want to be a part of that. And they want Even to though be they're that. not. Even though they're not. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's I would just encourage people listening, like don't fall for that. That's complete garbage. Um, mm-hmm. It's that's fake confidence. That's fake toughness. It's not real security, and it's not what is actually going to get you the results you're looking for. So yeah, I agree. And, w- and one other thing that you brought up that it's just sort of the the downside of it too. Like when we talk about grim drive, one of the things we talk about is balance because in our field, especially along with other obviously it happens in other fields, burnout's a big thing, and we talk about like making sure that we are working really hard, but also taking into account what we need for ourselves and having a balance. And I feel like the work-life balance has now become, if I, I want I want a work-life balance, it's become synonymous with I don't want to work. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. just, I just want a life, mm-hmm. right? And it's, so I feel like that's another one of those things that's kind of gone a little bit astray. Um, and people are like not wanting to work, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And not understanding that it, like it takes, you need to, be passionate about something, work towards that, and it requires a lot of attention. Um, and it sometimes it requires 14-hour days, 12, 14, 16-hour days. But um, that if you want to have a great life, you have to balance it with work. But what yeah. feels like it's happening now is like we went from this like work, 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 and a little bit of like balancing life to now it's like only doing fun, fun, fun stuff. And yes. No work. And yes. it's like, please, can we just find the middle ground yep. here yep. of how to manage both of them? Absolutely. We talked about that boomerang effect of people going way too far uh, in the other direction and self-correcting and yep. too far, and then you have to get you find You got to go back. Yep. Um, for sure. So we're going to wrap up for today. I um, want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Grim Drive Podcast uh, on uh, confidence. Uh, we encourage people to check out our last episode, uh, which was on the, the youth mental health epidemic in the United States. 
Um, we're going to put everything, you know, all the links and helpful uh, topics we discussed today in the show notes. Uh, we encourage everyone to subscribe on YouTube and, and really give us some comments, right? We want to engage yeah. with people. The dialogue is really key when it comes to mental health. Shoot us any question. We're, we're happy, more than happy to answer that and engage in a dialogue back and forth. Um, we will be back soon. We're actually, our, we're going to take a little bit of a break. So we're recording this on December 14th. Um, at, in line with our discussion we just had on Grim Drive, <laughs> uh, we're taking some time, right? Yeah. Uh, we're going to take the next, you know, basically four weeks without recording anything. We're going to enjoy the holidays with our family. We're going to try to recoup, um, yeah. you know, our, our own balance a little bit um, because we, we put a lot of time into what we're trying to do and accomplish to help people. Um, so we might, there might be a little bit of a gap in episodes coming out, um, but not too much, maybe a no. week. Um, and then we're coming back in January with one of our uh, superstars at Riser and Tread, Madeline Cerullo, who's going to help us do, uh, uh, we're going to do the next podcast episode for the Grim Drive podcast on Ted Lasso. And we're going to review the first and second seasons of Ted Lasso. It might be broken up into a couple episodes, not sure yet. We're mm-hmm. not even sure where that's going to go, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yep. Um, so again, we talked about how at the 40th episode, we usually do something creative. We didn't quite do that in the 40th episode. We wait a little bit longer, Yep. Um, but we are going to do that upcoming. So we're going to review Ted Lasso and talk about it from our perspective, you know, as, as clinicians and as people who work in mental health and have a sort of an understanding of psychology and what, what that show meant in different ways. So we're yep. excited about that. Um, so stay tuned and be sure to listen in and thanks for listening today. Thanks guys.